In the final session of our first Grounded and Growing cohort, April's and my lesson included a conversation about accountability. I suggested some questions we can ask ourselves about our own accountability. For instance, to whom are we accountable and what is the evidence of that accountability? Is what we're doing in the best interest of those to whom we feel accountable? And how do we know it's in their best interest? Have we asked? Should we ask about asking? From that, one of our participants wanted to hear more about asking about asking. This question led to an organic conversation we thought you might enjoy. Heads up, I use the F word for emphasis in what follows. This is Jews Talk Racial Justice with April and Tracy. A weekly show hosted by April Baskin and Tracy Guy Decker. In a complex world, change takes courage. Wholehearted relationships can keep us accountable. About accountability, um, I specifically had this thought when I mentioned the piece and should we ask about asking? The reason I said that was specifically in the context, and it also can be in other contexts, for leaders and specifically Jewish organizations. So leaders who are representing on behalf of Jewish organizations. And at times when our when our when some of our fear is still active, which ideally if we've done H&M well, but say hypothetically we're doing well, but not necessarily everyone in our community and it's and it's just on the leading edge of their practice to even ask. They may miss at times that they're constantly asking for feedback from an under-resourced community, and and that it would be an it would be helpful at times to check in with the president of the NAACP or the president of CARE or whomever they're working with, and say, "Do you mind if I take a moment to check in with you about how we've been navigating some of the recent intercommunal challenges over the past few months? Would that be okay?" So I was specifically thinking of that scenario. And I was aware as we wrote that, that that could be a stumbling block and that lots of people feel stuck, like they have to ask for everything. And that is not what we mean to imply here. It's more of, um, and again, this may or may not be getting to the heart of what you're sharing. It's sort of, I think, potentially adjacent and with some overlap um, is in the instances when we're aiming for accountability and we're like, yes, we're being accountable, but accounting for the fact that in endeavoring to be accountable, that may also be asking resource typically for free of other folks and to be mindful of that. And at times, not, then that doesn't mean you have to ask every time, don't do that because that's also annoying. But but just being aware of the relationship and if there's give and if we're also inviting them and if, if it's reciprocated and if it's not to just also practice awareness about this. So it's something you can be ahead, aware of ahead of time or you could hold it lightly And then if you're in an exchange with folks, particularly across lines of difference, particularly when any of us, because we all have them, are in the non-target and or oppressor role, to check in around, am I constantly asked, is this a one-way asking situation or is is this being reciprocated in different ways and there's reciprocal allyship and to be thoughtful about that? One of the ways that I think about it... um specifically in in like some of the examples that April's talking about where I have a non-target identity and I am aiming to be accountable across that line of difference um, is decentering myself and like very self-consciously decentering myself. Because um, I think that that is a trap that we um, white folks have been taught to fall into, you know, like, look at me, I'm the awesome ally. And it's all about like, 
me, me the support and all the support I need to be that awesome ally. Cool. Um, you know, me being on the right side of history, like me being a good white person. That's not what accountability looks like, right? Um, years ago, I read this story from a professor actually at one of the schools in Boston. I don't, I don't remember which one at this point, but he t- he tells this story about being stopped by the cops, and um, thank God everything was fine, but it was really terrifying for him. And he tells a story, and there's this woman who's like down the block who just stands there and watches. Like she doesn't interfere. This is a, a black woman. Um, the professor is black and she just watches. And then after the cops move along, they decided he's not, he's not in fact, the person they're looking for. She like comes by and she's like, are you okay? And he says, he's really shaken up. She gives him a hug. And he was just so grateful for this woman's presence. And I read this story as a newly activated, like white anti-racist. And I was like, Hashem, let me be like that sister who stays but it was still about me. Right. It wasn't a, it wasn't like, let me use my privilege when I see folks that need, it was like, I wanted to be the person that that guy thanked. I didn't, it wasn't about him. It wasn't like Hashem don't let that happen anymore. You know, it wasn't actually about what was best for that person. It was like how I could be a star. And so that's what I'm, that's, that's what I mean. That's the way I think about it. This, and you know, April and I obviously are coming from different perspectives, um, on it, but, but the decentering piece, um, and that also in the asking makes it, um, maybe could sort of defang it because if I'm genuinely asking and decentering myself, then the answer, like, actually, I don't have time for you is an acceptable answer. Right. Like I think I've seen a lot of trainings where they, they, you see the white, that they do the, the role-playing and the white person asks for permission to sort of talk about whatever the racist thing that they want to think about with the person of color. And in all those trainings, most of them, not the ones that I've done, but in many of those trainings, like the black person is like, yeah, sure. Okay. That's, only one of the possible answers, right? Like part of the decentering is if the answer is no, that's an acceptable and expected answer that doesn't destroy me because it's not about me. And I loved your recent insight, Tracy, about this in general with anything, which I think was a really good summation of it at times of we all deserve support around the different HEs and Ms that we're navigating around something, but it's really helpful for us to think about. I don't know if you want to briefly say it, the, well, let you say it. Dump in, you you dump, you always dump out. Like if, if trauma is concentric circles of people affected, you dump out, right? So if something traumatic has happened to my spouse, I'm just there to, to support them. And if it affects me, I talk to April about it. I dump out. I don't dump in on the person who has been traumatized. Um, and that serves for individuals, but it also serves in, you know, the broader sort of societal circles as well, which speaks to the need for affinity spaces sometimes. And it can help make it clear and reduce some of the fear around taking certain action, because the more we get support that feels safe for us and where it's potentially either affinity space or an action of allyship for someone who can be, who's an ally to us then we can clear up that energy so that when we go to take action, we're, we're clear that we've worked through those pieces and we're able to show up with greater clarity in general. So, 
And I just, I'll just name, I know that what I'm suggesting is not easy. I don't want to suggest that you can just be like, okay, well, it's not about me. And then like you flip the switch and you don't take it personally. I know that that is not a thing that you can just do. And I also know that with practice, you can do it because the results that you will see is that you will get better. You will be and a you'll better notice friend more. and, and a better ally. And it just like the outcomes will be better for everyone, including you, if you are able to navigate that. And as you spiral up and down, as I like to say, because I often find we're learning similar lessons in deeper ways as we move up and as we go deeper within. So, you know, like depending upon a situation, it may feel like one or the other where it's a deepening or an ascent um, that a lot of this, the, the process is really solid in its simplicity of just asking these questions and thinking as well as we can about them and noticing the feedback that we get and then into and bring, and then running that through the process and and noticing or like accumulating some stuff and being like, well, I'm noticing all these things. That's time for me to reevaluate something here. So Jesse asked so, in the chat, what is the first step in making the mindset shift? To be honest, Jesse, I think the first step is saying, okay, if 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 you are frozen, I'm afraid I'm going to fuck it up. The first step is to be like, I already fucked it up. Now what am I going to do? Or the situation is already effed up. Like as a white person, I even, I actually say that because I'm sure, I'm sure it's true. Maybe not in with this specific person, but I know I have said all of the things on the list that you're not supposed to say to a Jew of color. I know I've said those things in my life. I have already fucked it up. Before she met me. (laughs) Thanks everybody who came for. Baruch <laughs> Hashem. Um, so that for me, that is actually the first step is to say, I've already fucked it up. Standing still is not an option. So now what? And then like, if I'm, if I'm already coming at it, not as a, not in a posture of apology or defensiveness, but just of a, okay, this is the fact. And now how do I, I need to move forward because standing still is not an option. Acceptance and aspiration. Like this isn't great. And I think there's something that's better and I'm going to iterate and I'm going to try this on and where appropriate, I'm going to say like, this is newer for me in some ways I'm doing my best here. And I'm, I'm also committed to continuing to evolve as I go, which is what we recommend to organizations around this work in terms of and individuals. DEI statements. Yeah. Of like, here's our goals and we're not fully there yet. These are our values and we don't always align with these, but we strive to align and we invite you to let us know when we don't. And we'll be in an ongoing process together around this. We're committed to continually evolving. If you think you could benefit from this kind of thinking and learning in a cohort of kindred souls, Grounded and Growing is for you. We're launching a second cohort of the program in the coming weeks. Visit joyousjustice.com or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. Thanks for tuning in. Our show's theme music was composed by Elliot Hammer. You can find this track and other beats on Instagram at Elliot Hammer. If this episode resonated with you, please share it and subscribe. To join the conversation, visit JewsTalkRacialJustice.com, where you can send us a question or suggestion, access our show notes, and learn more about our team. Take care until next time and stay humble and keep going.